Hello and welcome to another episode of the Eat Game podcast. I am Tom Evans and on this show we aim to educate, inspire and promote the benefits of sustainable, delicious game meat. So to round off our Chef mini-series, today I speak to Mark Kempson chef at Kitchen W8 in London, whose exceptional cooking, along with his team, have won a Michelin star back in 2011, an accolade which they have retained each year since. It's a wonderful menu there, uh, described as modern British with French soul. So Kitchen W8 really does have to be high on your to-do list. Uh, We welcome Mark to the podcast. Hi. Hi, Tom. How are you? You good? Very well, thank you. Where do we find you today? So we've caught you at home before you uh, head off to the restaurant. What part of the world are you in? I live in Cheam, so it's just on the london surrey border fantastic and uh kitchen w8 then itself i mean just a a stone's throw isn't it from the royal abbott hall if you will as your main sort of landmark you're in kensington quite an iconic place to go to work every day yeah i mean it's great i've obviously been uh in kensington since 2009 when i joined kitchen w8 uh that was following on from the square in mayfair um but yeah kensington's great we have a great local crowd and likewise, we also have tourists which come to us, which is fantastic. So who are your owners? So we're, there's a partnership between uh, Philip Howard and Rebecca Mascarenas, and obviously myself being there for this length of time now. Yeah, fantastic. So you launched in 2009, as you, as you said. You intended the place to be kind of home from home with a, with a mission statement here. It says, to send you back out into the world feeling better than when you arrived and I, I love that it's quite simple and it kind of sums up the vibe that you've got at kitchen w8 yes exactly that i mean uh our goal when we when we launched was just to have you know a pleasant restaurant space where you'd want to come treat it like your home be looked after well be fed well and yeah put a smile on your face and you leave having being satisfied yeah and, and i read a lot about you know your restaurant retaining its neighborhood restaurant feel so what does that actually mean in in reality is it the fact that you have regulars or you're perhaps more relaxed than other high-end restaurants yeah so it's uh, having a relaxed feel vibe to the place where you know it's not too stiff and formal uh it's just quite organic natural simple food sourced really well using the best ingredients we can cook to a high standard yeah a lot of restaurants want to achieve that and, and you've done it brilliantly it's, it's not an easy thing to do so let's just go back to the beginning here mark what was your journey then leading up to kitchen wa when did you first think yeah you know this is for me this is the industry i want to work in did you start quite a young age in a kitchen somewhere i don't know washing up at a pub how did it all kick off for you yeah it started at the age of uh, 13 when i you know a lot of friends were getting paper rounds unfortunately i was from a small village it's called eversley in hampshire we didn't have uh, a news agent close by however we did have uh, a pub so i went there for my 13th birthday my parents uh, encouraged me to ask if they had any jobs going and i landed a job collecting glasses on a sunday afternoon so nice. it was, uh, and that's how i really got into it uh, you know i didn't have any preconceived ideas and then uh, one saturday they were short in the kitchen and they said right you're in the kitchen today And that was my first insight into a professional kitchen. And I just loved it. I thought, this is fun. This is exciting. And that's really how I got into it. And from there, it just went on and on and progressed into my profession. Amazing. And what was your sort of first real insight into high-end cooking? Pennyall Park in Bagshot, a five-star hotel. So 
you know, I'd been, I'd enrolled at college and I decided that, you know, I needed to find, I, I was working in a local hotel in the village of Hartley Whitney and I decided, yeah, I needed to up my game a bit. So I just went along, along the 830, both directions from my house, handed in my CVs, uh, lots of places. And fortunately, Penny Hill came back to me. They offered me an interview, so I went to meet the executive chef. And that's where it really started. You know, that was a real insight into high-end luxury hotels. There was banqueting, there was breakfast, there was brasserie, there was fine dining. So God, you got a bit of everything. Yeah, That was the start for me. I guess you learn a lot uh, working in a kitchen at that age. You see things, you hear things, you pick up all the, 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 the tips. Do you sort of credit that particular job with getting a little streetwise in the industry, maybe? Yeah, that certainly is. And I mean, the the big eye-opener for me was the produce, you know, the stuff that we were cooking with. And there were things I had never seen before, uh, you know, lots of game meat. There was pigeons. Uh, there was vegetables coming from Europe. Uh, there was stuff that I'd certainly never seen. It was a real insight into what this industry could be about. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, are you quite calm in the kitchen? Mark, what do you like? Are you sort of on edge? Are you fast-paced, energetic? Uh, how, how does it work if I was to sort of spend uh, an hour or so as a fly on the wall? Yeah, I mean, yes, obviously kitchens are energetic. They're fast-paced. That's that's the nature of the beast. That's what we have to do. Uh, you know, there's certain time pressures. There's guests coming in. And, yeah, but, no, you've got to be cool, calm and collective while going about your business. Uh, you've got to keep an air of calm in the kitchen, otherwise it can quickly become chaos yeah how different is lunch though to 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 dinner is it the same tempo or is it kind of building you up to the evening a la carte how does that work in a kitchen well lunch actually can be quite fast-paced i mean uh, especially being in london you know there's a lot of business customers who who have to get back to work um so you know they want to be in and out well looked after have a delicious meal um, but obviously there's the time pressures of getting back to the office or going about the, the afternoon in whatever they need to do. Yeah. Um, dinner is a bit more of a more relaxed affair. So people are generally out for a longer time. Uh, and yeah, so obviously dinner is generally a busier service, but lunch can be a bit more compact in terms of time restraint. And you're still trying to give them that experience as well, I, I guess. That's that's still really important. Do you, Do you think today's diners expect something a little different from a meal out, not just about the food now on the plate. It's about that whole experience, which is your ethos, isn't it, at Kitchen WA? Have you seen that change over the last sort of 20 years? Yes, certainly have. Uh, you know, I think people they want more of a relaxed feel to their dining, um, but they want to have the quality, the standard, the service, the food. It all has to be up there and correct. But certainly I don't think it needs to be as stiff as it, as it used to be. And I think we do that really well. We, uh, you know, we try and have informed service, but not make it too formal, you know, and engagement with the guests. I think now there's a lot more of this happening. And I think guests actually want that. They want to engage with the staff, understand a little bit about who's serving them, where they've come from, what they're doing. And I think that that's a skill is to make the guests feel relaxed, that they can engage with the, with the staff. And have a great time and, and, you know, make a connection with the restaurant, which keeps them coming back. But it's not just that, is it? I think people now um, are sort of feeling they want to engage more with the food on their plate. More and more people are thinking about what goes on on their plate and, and the truth behind where the foods come from. 
Um, there's more and more sort of emphasis on sort of the ethical, the environmentally friendly and the economical friendliness of, of what's on the plate. So, and then this is, of course, where, where game meat comes, comes in. So what is your relationship at Kitchen W8 with game? Have you always loved it or have you sort of only really discovered cooking with it since you've been a professional? Yes, I mean, at a young age, it's certainly not something that we had in the, in my home environment. Uh, it's definitely come from from cooking at a professional level and an understanding of seasonality and cooking with the best produce you can get at a certain time. And obviously, game meat has a, has a season, and when it's in season, we're all over it. We use it massively. We start in August with grouse, and then we have venison. We use all the game birds. Uh, hair right across the board so we use everything and it's a, it's a big highlight in the calendar yeah. for us i'm interested where you get your game from being in the center of london i mean are there are many suppliers in the city or is it all coming from outside in i mean yes we have uh we have butchers that are based in london but obviously it's sourced from out of london so venison we use uh brett graham's venison from anho park uh, all the game birds generally come from uh, Yorkshire or Scotland, and yeah, you know I've built up relationships with our butchers, and they know they know what we want, they know the quality, they know how it has to be shot. You know, we don't want birds that have been shot all through the breast. Yeah. Headshot only, uh, producing meat of a great quality. Um, we love game meat. It's very nutritional. It's healthy. It's lean. It's environmentally friendly with its low carbon footprint. And uh, ethically, it's great as well. You know, animals have great lives. They're wild. They roam free. So it's a win-win for us. Yeah, it's growing a great reputation, isn't it, as one of the most sustainable meats going on. Do you, do you think your, your clientele realise that? I'm just, it's interesting because we're in the world here of obviously eat game. We're, we're very much uh, in that bubble and trying to promote game meat as much as, as we can. And we know the nutritional and uh, environmental benefits of that. But but I just wonder what the general public know about it. Do we need to hammer that message a bit more in, in your point of view? Educate. I, be- I believe we do, yes. I think, you know, being in Kensington, uh, there are slightly older generation of clientele. Uh, that's not all of our business, but it certainly makes up a lot. And I think game meat for them has been with them for a long time. But do they understand the health benefits? Yes, maybe they do, but not as much as they should. And I think it's definitely a message which needs to come out more and more and more and make make the younger generation understand that this is actually a good way to eat. Yeah. I'm interested in, in cooking with game meat, uh, in your experience. Um, I think a lot of people that w- would be listening to this podcast maybe are starting out exploring game meat a lot, a lot more. For the amateur chef at home, uh, what would be your advice? If they're new to cooking with game, sort of general tips that would help them along the way? I mean, game meat is lean, so it needs to be carefully cooked. Uh, so there are more forgiving than others. For example, if you take a, a venison shoulder and you marinate it nicely and slow cook it, it's going to give a delicious result. You know, if you overcook a pheasant, unfortunately, that's going to be quite dry and unpleasant. So, you know, it's just about understanding the piece of meat you're about to cook, understanding the best from best method of cookery so whether it's going to be low and slow or whether it's quick sear, quick roast and then a, a long rest you know i think people get scared about eating game meat too pink but in my experience most of the birds they need to be eaten slightly blush pink and that is for me the best way to eat it yeah fabulous talk me through some of the um 
some of the game that we will see on your your menu uh, this let's say as we head into August and September what might we what might we see you mentioned grouse there yes i mean we would definitely start with the grouse uh you know we we won't have it on the 12th but we'll have it shortly probably the week after uh that's the first game meet that appears on our menus and then September comes we'll move on to partridge and then as the seasons roll so we'll be into mallard there will be any small birds we can get whether it be teal widgeon snipe anything like that and then yeah venison will feature right through until january and we will have all the birds until their season's end yeah the season's great the way it flows isn't it what's your longest standing game dish on your menu what's the sort of the big seller if you like well, I mean, grouse is obviously, uh, there's a lot of uh, people who love to eat grouse. But that's always very popular. I mean, venison is a, is a win-win whenever yeah. venison is on the menu. That outshines anything. And I think, you know, if you can get a, a teal or a snipe, I think people love that. There's, they're quite rare uh, birds. And whenever, you know, we can never get them in abundance. But when we have two or three, they just sell straight away. They're, they're, they're gone before you could even tell the customer what the dish is and well how do you serve up your grouse then what do we get with that uh so we always uh prepare it take the legs off they will be slowly cooked uh so braised down we'll mix that with some uh caramelized onions and that makes almost like a stew that'll be wrapped in uh potato and deep fried then we roast the breasts on the crown so that's a quick sear then into a low oven rest it uh, cooked until pink and then rested and carved off the bone and then it will come with various seasonal garnishes so this year we're going to have uh, some char-grilled beetroot we're going to have fig puree we're going to have some cavolo nero and then we're going to finish the sauce with bacon and shallots and livers from the ground wow Wow, yeah. I mean, I can see where the Michelin star comes from. <laughs> That's yeah. great. And I mean, retaining your Michelin star, Mark, for so long means, I guess, as a team, you can't rest on your laurels. Do you find that, like, is there a pressure there each year to, to sort of keep up that momentum? It absolutely is. I mean, you have to be cooking at a level. It has to be consistent. And, you know, having a good team that can help you deliver, that's absolutely what it's all about. It's investment in the team. Uh, giving them knowledge so they can deliver day in, day out on the on the levels that we need to. Yeah. Well, I think for, you know, a restaurant to last over a decade in central London as well, you're obviously doing something right. Uh, it's been wonderful to chat to you. I'd love to finish off our conversation uh, the same way we finished off all our, our Chef miniseries uh, podcast episodes. I've got some quick-fire questions for you here, Mark, designed to cut straight to the truth of your likes and dislikes. So I'm going to fire away if you're ready, yeah? Yeah, let's go. Okay, here we go. Gravy or jus? Jus. Pie or casserole? Pie. Pigeon or pheasant? Pigeon. Leg or breast? Breast. Do you like your carrots cut in batons or cut in rings? Baton. Uh, chips or roast potatoes? Roast potato. Right, you've got to choose one of these to cook with for the rest of your life. Butter or olive oil? Butter. Chocolate dessert or a cheese board? Cheese board. Cocktail or a pint? Pint. And eat in... Or eat out, Mark? Definitely eat out. Eat out, all the way. Uh, It's been lovely to chat to you. My final question I have before I let you go, if you were to recommend one restaurant for me, anywhere in the country, other, of course, than Kitchen WA, where would you send me? 
That's a really tough question. So I, I recently on Friday had a great meal at the Fordwich Arms down in uh, Canterbury and I can highly recommend it. Sounds delicious. Mark Kempson from Kitchen WA, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Cheers. So that is it then for our Chef mini-series. A huge thanks to all my guests over the uh, past few weeks. Tony Singh, Glyn Purnell, Tim Adams, Rachel Green, uh, Stephen and Amy Ellis, and of course, Mark Kempson. I hope in, in some way we've inspired you to sort of get out there and try more game. You know, maybe rustle up some classic dishes, maybe some more adventurous and creative ones as well. But I do think it's clear from talking to all of our guests over the last six weeks that game is the most sustainable meat around. And it's about turning people's attention to what they're missing out on. A lot of people are unsure about breaking free from their usual eating habits. But if you, like me, are conscientious about where your food comes from and the the journey that it's taken, and you want to know the truth behind what goes onto your plate, then explore game meat just that little bit more. The benefits are enormous, ethically, environmentally, economically as well. Uh, So we thank you for being with us over the last six weeks. The Eat Game podcast is a Media Cage production. You can find out more information on us, the show, and what we do at Eat Game by uh, visiting our website. So do take a trip over there if you can, eatgame.co.uk. Keep an eye out on the channel for future episodes, and we'll see you soon.